How are we? We're fresh. We're starting we're here. Fresh. We're, we're we fresh. cleansed. We're cleansed we're of the back-to-back premiers. We're gone. There's no more supporting the Roosters for this season. That's gone. Yeah, the season's over. That's it. Our reign has come to an end. The dreams of a three-peat are over. Yeah. Um, the ride is stopped for now. For now. Absolutely. But it's been a fun ride, as it is, as it always is. Um, the you know it's it's almost I know it sounds a bit strange we didn't really do anything but it's almost like a little bit of a relief don't have to worry about it it's over can't do it yeah I sort of I sort of my my whole like a weight came off my shoulders as far as my attitude towards the rest of the footy yeah yeah like you know just not not in like a all right well I don't care what happens because we're out but more just a all right well we're not like are we going to be able to get through to the next stage can we beat this team and can we get to the grand final? Can we make? Can we win the grand final? Can we make history and go back to back? Can we make history and go back to back to back? I don't know how I feel as a fan. I can only imagine how the players and the coaches are actually doing all the work and feeling. So, look, it it was a it's a very new, different year, and we had a lot of challenges. We had a lot of injuries. You know, we've been blessed with injuries the last past two years. Like we've had a couple here and there that we've been able to manage, but never like several of our key leadership players all at once for multiple weeks on the back of losing a player like Cooper Cronk and a game breaker like Latrell Mitchell. Um, and then Victor Radley goes down and, and Veryl. So look, it was it was always going to be tough for us. So we're just very proud. Um, even the way we the two games we lost. One by a point, you know, and we came back valiantly and then the other one by a try against an awesome Canberra team who played great. Yeah. So, yeah, well, proud of boys. Keeping the Canberra Raiders, they, 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 they'll, be, they'll be cheering down there in the nation's capital. You know, they're off to a preliminary final again, two years in a row. Uh, what did you think of the game? Yeah, look, Canberra were great. They, um, they really brought it, you know, they... they been getting off to poor starts lately, the last few weeks, but getting over the top of teams just on talent and just footy players who can just put points on. Um, but they they really aimed up to begin with and they, they caught the Roosters on the back foot. They made them pay for their um, the penalties and the, op- the opportunities they had with the ball. And just like Penrith the week before, Canberra didn't turn the ball over. They didn't create give the Roosters any good ball off the back of penalties or errors. They were 90% completion. And all the big guys stepped up. Papali'i, amazing. Jack Whiten, sensational. Tarpany, unbelievable. Like, what a game from Tarpany. I'm sure we'll spend some time talking about him. And Chance, literally out on his feet, like cramping in the calves because of all the work he was doing. So, you know, like, uh, there's so many other players that just played great. And I think overall the game, Canberra had a lot of eights and nines and the Roosters had probably a lot uh, a lot more sort of sixes and sevens and a few eights in there, but they just more of their players were able to rise to that, that top level that you needed to be for a, a you know, week two finals game. Um, and it took them over the line. They were brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the Raiders were too good from the word go. Obviously they, they got off to the start that they, you know, that you'd like to get off to really. Josh Papali'i was, it made it look like he was a man playing against boys that entire first 20 minutes, once they got out to that 16-point lead, that was all, you know, obviously everyone else was a team effort, but it was definitely led by their front rowers. Even Sia Soliola played pretty good uh, for the Raiders as well while he was on. Uh, but I well, just they, thought they, Josh Papali'i 
men versus boys out there. He really dominated. And again, it's just another example of how dominant he's been throughout the last two going on three seasons now. Um, and, you know, although the Roosters did come back, they got within a try. I think it was twice they got within a try. Yeah. I just think they've just done enough to really, you know, get the job done, really. Well, the, the key point was obviously when the Roosters... Look, it was 16-0 after 25, 30 minutes. Um, so there was so, the one thing for the Roosters was a lot of time. You know, it's, it, was, it was alarm bells that they scored in that quickly, but there was plenty of time to sort of claw it back and they always had the talent to do so. I think they really needed to be back within a try before halftime. You know, I think there was an opportunity there before halftime where they, they got to sort of have a bit of a crack at Canberra and they weren't able to, to execute there. If, if they got it back to 16-12, you know, maybe they've got a sniff there. You know, you're one try away in a, in a half, but it's just too much to do. And then when the rate, they did get to 12, it took them so much to get four points behind. And then just look, a little grabber from um, George Williams, uh, an awful bounce for Tedesco and, and who's there, Jack Whiten, um, to pounce on it. It just became too much at that point. So I think yeah. what I found with, with the Roosters, I'm sure you probably would have seen this too and, and Robbo discussed it, but he sort of talked about, he said, look, we just weren't good enough. You know, we, we just weren't able to go to that extra level um, and play our best footy at the end of the year, like we have been the last two years. You know, the Roosters have set themselves an unbelievable standard the last two years and conceded, I think, seven points a game over two consecutive final series, which is just outstanding. And we we weren't able to defend our errors like we have been able to in the last two years. Um, you know, we've notoriously not had a, a fantastic completion rate, but it's what we do with the ball and how strong our defence is that we can defend our errors if they happen. And there's that bold constrictor that we normally put on teams where we can just lock down with that Bondi wall, um, just continually just repel them, scramble, defend our line. Um, and it just, it really sort of takes the guts out of a team and defeats them. And then we hit back and score really quickly and we can really just put a kill on teams. That's what's been so strong for us. And our defense wasn't quite as strong as that. The rules have changed a bit to not allow for it as much. You know, it's hard to try and just, all right, we'll just defend our error. We have to get through six and maybe multiple on the line. But now you've got to do, you start defending eight, nine, ten tackle sets repeatedly and that fatigue comes in and it's, it's a lot harder to sort of defend like that. And yeah, we just weren't able to do that in these, these, these final series. We couldn't go to that extra level with our intensity on, on, on defence and, and really dominate teams like we had been. Yeah, and, and I, I think that all comes down to uh, showing or proving how important it is to be consistent throughout the, the entire year is that when mm. you do get to the bigger stages, know, it sounds so like contradictory in my head as I sort of compile this, but I feel as though when you're consistent throughout the year, you're actually going to be rewarded with that, with that performance in, in the finals. In the finals. And we'd been patchy throughout the entire year. We, man- we, we didn't manage to find, you know, maybe a three, four-week period where we were able to, you know, put together. Remember when, remember when we first started with Robbo, we would go like six halves without a, without a try. You know what I mean? We'd, we'd go no tries in the second half of one game. You know, maybe not six. And then, and then no tries in the next full game. And then the next half, the first half of the next game, we won't concede a try. We go like yeah. essentially four halves without scoring. Yep. We never really showed that this year. You know what I mean? And I think, look, the, I think a little, the rules will play, would have played a little bit in it, but I, I can't really distress that too strong because I think 
Penrith beat uh, two or three teams to nil this year. So, yeah, you're right. We just we weren't the the Bondi War wasn't quite as as defiant this year, and and continuity is a big thing in defence. And look, we like I said, you know, we had injuries this year. This year we lost Radley and we lost Verrills. That was massive. And then we're trying to sort of okay figure out who's going to take that thirteen role, and it really did change a lot about how that team attacks um, and, and plays on on in that for in that attacking half and then also the intensity and the energy that he brings in defense but in in that's already tough enough as it is and then meanwhile Crichton goes down Corden is out for five weeks Kiri breaks a rib Tupo's out for six to eight weeks so like we're bringing in and we showed a lot of class and and depth in our squad that we're able to still get through that period and still peel off a lot of wins without looking our best um but then in the end look we got found out in the end and and you know, we all, I wanted to deny it at the time as much as possible, but, you know, the South blowing us open in that last round um, was just, a, I guess it was a, a revealing point of we just, we got exposed because we just weren't quite all together. Yeah. Um, and it was, I thought those couple, of, I actually thought the couple of weeks before it, after we played Raiders and then we played, I think, the Knights and the Sharks and whatever, and the Tigers the other side of it, I thought, oh, we, looked, we just looked a bit bored. Uh, but I think we just weren't quite completely there yet. That's why we hadn't really been able to play those that complete performance. Yeah. So yeah. look, you know, it'd be a good off season for them. Um, you know, Kyle Flanagan will be a year better, or who knows? Maybe there'll be other ideas in the halves. Um, Victor Radley will be back, and this is still a team that's very much a contender going forward. But they're not um, they're not out in front like they were these past two years. And maybe it's a bit like the Warriors with KD. You know. We had KD for two years. We got a KD like impact player in Cooper Cronk, you know, his proven champion, um, who had such an impact on that Roosters and put us over the edge to be the now now best team. And like the way the, the I mean, the grand final was an unbelievable grand final and very close, but no team scored two tries on us throughout two final series. I think the Sharks in the first round that was it. So. You know, hats off to a, a fantastic period, and hopefully, there's a, there's more to come over the years. Just before we finish on the Roosters, um, one of the things that I thought would be sort of eventually we ended up losing the game was the Melbourne Storm in 2013, the year that the Roosters won the premiership. Uh, the Melbourne Storm went out the back door that year, and you know, they didn't win the comp in 2014. It took them a few years to get back to winning the premiership, but they got back there. And, you know, and I feel like as a, the way that the Roosters are as an organisation, I feel like they're, they're, they're not going to be too far away from, from contending for a title again. So that's how it is. You know, with everything, we sort of, you know, got a little bit carried away with ourselves and we won back to back. We started to feel as though that it was ours to lose after that. When realistically, you know, it's hard enough to win it once, let alone to win it twice and then three times. So that's enough about the Roosters. I've uh, been a pleasure, as it is, and uh, we'll move we've on. We've been to- blessed. We've been, we have been absolutely blessed, Wiki. You know, so we've got, we've got to taste four in our, um, in our lifetimes. You and yeah, I. All right. So uh, the next game was uh, the Parramatta Seals. We won it. Yep. Playing the South City Rabbitohs. Uh, unfortunately for the Parramatta, Roos- uh, Parramatta fans and the Roosters fans, South Sydney managed to get through. But just before we continue on about the rest of that match. Can you tell me, I can't, sorry, I should look this up, but can you tell me the last time two teams went out in straight sets? I can't last tell time, you. The last time two teams went out in straight sets? I can't tell you. 
2000 and what happened in 2000 and no, that was the straight sets. No, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to get back to that. That's another story for another day. Parramatta, a little bit like the Roosters, maybe ran out of gas. But I thought the Parramatta Seals uh, gas tank was running on empty for maybe well longer than, than the last round. We got exposed in the last mm. round. That's when we could have been shown the world where our gas tank was at. Uh, but for the Parramatta Seal, theirs was long before then. I think it was even maybe against the Melbourne Storm and they won the game. I, that's where they got really told with the competition, really thought Parramatta, it's gone past them now. Mm. Yeah, look, they uh, they came out of the block strong, Parramatta, um, this year, and they they looked they looked great. But we've seen plenty of July premiership uh, premiers just ask St George, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they just fell away, and it's a shame. Such a valiant, valiant performance from King Gutho, you know, trying to carry him. And Junior Paula, those two guys were unbelievable. Um, but yeah, they just ran ran out of puff towards the end of the year, so they'll have to go back and and really rethink the next season and how they want to approach it um, to try and be peaking at the right right end of the year because they haven't had a lot of luck in, in finals footy in the last few years. You look at this last four-year run, 17, they finished in the top four, went out in straight sets. Um, very close to Melbourne, but they, you know, they then lost to the Cowboys the next week. 18, they get the spoon. 19, they make the finals again. They pump the Broncos, which is meaning less and less every, every day uh, that goes on. Um, and they're out in straight sets this year, so it's it's one out of five finals wins for the for the Parramatta Eels in their last three finals trips, and then over the last four years, and that's kind of this team they they've got to break through that. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the roster. You know, they're gonna uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how Michael Jennings goes with with his situation that that broke over the weekend. Uh, but but other than than that, I feel as though their roster is actually. Pretty solid, you know. They've got strong wingers. They've got a great fullback. The dummy half's not bad. They've got a good halfback. They've got a good five-eight. Their front rowers is decent. They've got a good lock. The edge back rowers are top top quality players. So it's not necessarily that roster. It's it's the balance of of momentum and and, and belief. Mm. And maybe considering that they have a good roster, we could be referring back to that phrase that Tom taught us earlier in the year experienced winners. Maybe they don't have enough experienced winners. They might need to get themselves an old head, whether it be a front rower, you know, something like that. I'm not sure. But I feel like their front row were good. Um, I think I think as well, it's having a few guys, uh, sorry to interrupt, mate, but having a few guys that now picked in the Origin squad as well, you get a bit more regularity of those guys playing in more of those really big games yep. around other big winners. Guys who have won premierships, guys who won Origin series, like that kind of experience is, I think, so vital and sort of yeah, just understanding when you're at a point as a team to to really sort of maximise that opportunity. Yeah, and and just with Parramatta, I don't think it's not. I'm not going to say let me down or let Parramatta down, but I feel as though uh, their their outside back Wonga Blake, I feel like he's their best their best strike weapon. It's 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 disappointing to see him when you look at if I was to look at that side and know what they're capable of. Wonga Blake's clearly their best strike weapon, but it's. We need him to be doing efforts similar to Gutherson where it's, it's every single game. And so I feel as though Wonga Blake needs to try and find himself to find a way for himself to inject it into the game. Whether it means he needs to move to 5'8 or 
He can stay in the centres and he just has a mentality that he needs the football more than he doesn't get the football. Does that make sense? I feel like if he was to come in and, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. work around the middle of the forwards, they're going to have a hard time with him. You know what I mean? And they're gonna, it's going to help yeah, with the rest of the It's not necessarily take the load off take the load off the front rows because the front rows, they're fine. They're capable. It's about making, getting your impact on the game. He's such a dynamic yeah. player. He's a little bit like kick out in a way where you just give him the ball and he can do magic. He can just do it. He's mm. so strong. And, and I feel like if they can transition a little bit of that next year where they give him a bit more of a, a license to roam around the park, they might find a bit more out of him personally. I think, um, look, the Parramatta will be better again for one more year of Dylan Brown. I think this guy just gets better and better every year. He's, you know, he was trying so hard for him at the end of that game against the Bunnies. You know, he, you know, helped spark something. He threw an intercept pass, but like he's, he's, he's making those plays and he's just like the cover tackles. Those are the things that make Dylan Brown the most, you know, inspiring for me. And he's just, I think he's a genuine leader in that team at 21. Yeah. Um, so the more experience he gets, you know, linking up with guys like Wanga Blake, you know, have creating great combinations on the edge, playing all over the park. Yeah, they they'll be better for it. They'll be better for it, Parramatta. But yeah, it's just it's hard to just get over. It's it's really fucking hard to win the comp. Yeah, like yeah. it's near. It's only one team gets to do it, and there are only four teams in prelims. And unfortunately for for most teams, uh, the Melbourne Storm are usually there, and so are the Roosters. Um, the Bunnies, this is their third one consecutively. So there's a couple of teams that have had a bit of a hog of the prelims of late, and they're just the teams at the top with you know this top tier talent. So it's it's very tough to break into that room. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, credit to South Sydney, mate. South Sydney, they have hit the form at the right time of the season. I thought that injury against Parramatta for Latrell Mitchell was the end of their season. I thought South were gone from there. But pretty much from there, they really kicked on the, another gear. And it's it's a credit to Wayne Bennett. It's a credit to everyone there at the club. It's a credit to the playing group to sort of just know that their head's in the right space. You know, they're, they're taking a week at a time. Whoever's in front of them, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, whether they're the biggest team in the comp or the lowest team in the comp. I suppose that's not true. They fucking got touched up by the, the Bulldogs. Uh, but other than that game, that's really been the only hiccup. For a long period, actually, since maybe they, um, Dragons, they, uh, they, I can tell you actually their run. So, I think they won seven of their last nine games. Yep. And the two losses were the the flop to the Bulldogs, and the other one was to the Storm. They're the only two games they lost. Um, and then they've come in and won these next two finals. So they really have really hit a bit of bit hit their straps. And they've obviously been scoring a bucket load of points, um, but yeah, they they were their only two hiccups. They pumped the uh, they lost to the Storm the week after they opened up Parramatta, but obviously without Latrell, and then they had like a couple of, a couple of shaky games after that Melbourne. I think that Melbourne always has that effect on teams, you know. Plus they like okay they they they've opened up Parramatta, um, announced themselves while simultaneously also losing Latrell for the season, then. The next week, they're playing the Storm. And they nearly get him. Um, but the Storm get him again. And then they play, they've got the Tigers and the Bulldogs before they play the Roosters. So they, they were home and hose against the Tigers, went to sleep. Tigers almost come back. And then they went, fuck, well, we got out of that one. And probably turned up thinking they will just beat the Bulldogs. Yep. And they didn't. And they nearly did. Um, just, it, despite a man in the bin and a 20-0 lead. But 
then obviously they we know what happened against the Roosters. So yeah, they really have just they've hit their straps, they've timed their run, and if ever there's a year to go on a run, like I was thinking, like these four preliminary finals have got genuinely to me. There's four teams that I, there's four teams that can win the comp. You know, there are obviously there's teams that are more likely than others, but there's four pretty genuine chances, and I don't think I've been able to say that for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe maybe last year there might not have been genuine chances, but I, I, I think as well, you know, if you're going to say four genuine chances, you're also going to need, like, like I don't think South can beat Melbourne. I think South might be able to get over the Panthers. I don't think they can get over the top of Melbourne. So I think the Raiders can beat can beat all of the teams, but I feel as though South, if South can beat Panthers and they get the Raiders in the grand final, South could win. But if they get the Storm in the grand final, the Storm know how to play South Sydney. They just know how to play them. I think while while most definitely that's absolutely um, a a potential option of of something that can happen, most definitely, and probably would lead towards the more likely of the options if that were to, to occur. But I still think this, look, anything can happen at the moment, you know. I really do think there's just as the momentum that's rolling through. Um, South can, can beat anyone. They can also beat themselves and lose to anyone. They, you know, there's, they've got to get through Penrith. And, and if anyone wants to, to continue to doubt Penrith now, ask the last 16 teams they've played. Um, the only team they lost to was Parramatta. And we're starting to see that more as an aberration every week since Parramatta got a hiding from the Bunnies. So... Yeah, look, big contest. Definitely to two home home teams are the favourites. But yeah, South Sydney, they've 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 just hit their like we said, they they are the best downhill team in the comp. When they get momentum, they're probably the hardest to stop. But they do give the momentum up more than other teams. Or they, they allow other teams to either get away or, or get back in the contest because they seem if they do lose a bit of their focus with ball control, they don't quite have they don't have the same kind of defence to defend their, their errors and their pressure, like Melbourne and Penrith both have showed consistently all year. Yeah. That'd be, that's the thing. If South to win, though, they've got to be completing an 85% plus without a doubt and, um, and not giving away a lot, and just like key errors or penalties. They just I, have to I, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're bang on. I just think it comes down to their completion. They're going to concede trials, but they're also going to score trials. I think when Vossi said... Uh, Parramatta on 18 is not going to be enough for them to win the game. Yeah, correct. They need to score like, 30. Yeah, well, he's right. And then he says, well, the, the, the line for this is going to be 30. And it wasn't because of Parramatta. It's because yeah. of South. He knew South still had a few more tries on him. So, um, they're not going to have any trouble scoring tries, I think. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. They will have trouble scoring tries, but they will score tries. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they just can't be giving Panthers more opportunities than they need because they're going to make them pay for them. Mm, yeah, look, that's it's it's a it's a really interesting uh, how I guess the um, both of Panthers finals matches are sort of rolled on out, you know, and then sort of taking shape. You know, obviously we have a crazy last round where they play. Um, you know, the, the Roosters get the hiding from the Bunnies and then they slip down and the Panthers, this new, young, fresh upstart team, 15 wins in a row, minor premiers, first week of the finals, you can play the defending premiers. And it's like, well, you know, what is this? How's this for a sort of reward? And they, they showed themselves and, you know, they opened us up and um, took a big lead and, and held on in the end. And they take a lot from that and get the experience and get the cobwebs, get the sort of the newbie vibes shaken off for some of this young talent. 
and now they come to this prelim and they've got a red-hot South Sydney team that's just hit a rich rain, drain of form who put the Roosters to a to the sword to the tune of 60 points the week before Penrith squeaked out a one-point win and with nothing to lose. And they've got to do it without kick-out. So it's a massive mental test for them in that sense. Um, but they'll be ready for it. Yeah, I think they'll be ready. They're showing. Yeah, now there, there is another semi-final. We've got the Raiders up against the Storm. But before we get to that, uh, there's something that's sort of been that I've been thinking about for a little while, a couple of weeks now. And then I watched the game on the weekend and I thought, no, it is time. It is time. Now, back in 2017, the best player in the game, Jason Talmalolo, uh, pledges allegiance to his home nation, the kingdom of Tonga. And following that, you know, there was a big surge of, of other players pledging their allegiance. One of the big other names was, was um, what's his name? Andrew Fafita. And I think another big loss from the Kiwi side was uh, Manu Ma'o. Manu Ma'o. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up saying he was going to go to Tonga as well. So, you know, there was a big, big pledge for Tonga there. And, and then sort of after that, there was a bit of a transition with players, you know, started playing maybe for a little bit, a uh, bit more of their home countries as opposed to countries where they were born or not home countries where their parents are from and, and what they probably affiliate themselves as, really. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Papali'i, he's hands down the best front row of the game today, but he plays for Queensland. And he's always played for Queensland and in turn he also plays for Australia. Do you think it is time for Josh Papali'i to put his origin uh, career at a standstill and, and, and let it be and, and, and represent Samoa. Does Josh want to? No. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't see why he should. Yeah, fair enough. Well, to be, to yeah. be fair, I think that's the right answer. It depends what he wants to do. And whether yeah. he does or doesn't, it's not really up to me. Mm-hmm. I can just see... This being a big moment for him and his legacy uh, within the international game and the game itself. And he can continue on doing the career that he has, which is going to be a spectacular career. But I just feel as though this is a big moment that can be bigger than him and an opportunity for, you know, to give another injection to the Pacific Island rugby league. But yeah, you're right. It does definitely... I think, I think, I think Origin is just too much for these guys because it is such a massive spectacle there's obviously so much emotion that goes in behind it and but beyond that as competitors it's probably one of the ultimate pinnacles because it's you know obviously there's international australian new zealand i don't want to take anything away from that but it really is it's 13 on 13 it's kind of like an australian trial like to be like the australian cricket team trials back in the early 2000s you just had all this emotion and feeling behind who you were representing in your state and the history of the great players that have played it. And then all these great players playing this super high level, ultimate intense sort of best of three competition that as an athlete, as a competitor, I think it'd just be the ultimate test. And you're going to get, well, what they used to get 30 K on top of it for every game. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, uh, that shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't go quietly as a, as a, as a factor. So I think it's a lot, but they definitely do need to grow this game. And this is, Always brings me back to you know what what we've discussed about the way they should structure this origin series um, through the middle of the year, and I feel like I've got the perfect system. 
Yeah, but but also just on on the point where you said that it's the the biggest contest and the pinnacle in terms of it being uh, the the biggest contest because of the competition or or how close the two competitions are. Yeah, as a competitor, uh, yeah. What, what my point is, or not my point, but sort of what I'm sort of trying to, I think the point behind it though is is about making the international level more competitive than the state of origin level. And that's not to say that we need to weaken state of origin. It's mm-hmm. not, that's not the objective. The objective is to, to really say, no, you're actually going to find the biggest contest on the international game. Now, why is that? Because if you have a look at it, we've got James Fisher-Harris, Jared Wiley-Hargroves, and Joseph Tarpany. Boom. They'll play for New Zealand. Then we go... Okay, Jason Taumalolo, uh, Andrew Fafida, Siwa Takiaho, they'll play for Tonga. None of them are playing in the origin. Yeah. So there you go. There's your biggest contest. The actual biggest contest is on the international stage. Then you trust Josh Papali'i. Josh Papali'i. Hear me, hear me out. Josh Papali'i. Um, Martin Tapao. Oh, sorry. Adam Fanua Blake, Jason Taumalolo, and Siwa Takiaho, and that's the Tongan team. The Samoan teams, Josh Papali'i, Martin Tapao, and I don't know, whoever's the 13th. I'm sure there's someone out there. Danamas Louie, he's 13. Okay, maybe he's... I don't think there's an Aussie team that's better than any of those three teams. Name three middles better than that in the Australian team. You're just talking about middles. This is 17 players on the team wiki. Yeah, you I know, know there's 17 it's, players. It's the halves, it's the hooker, it's the nine, it's the wingers, it's the it's the centers, it's it's the it's the combination of all of it. And the truth is, while we have had competitive games in international yeah. football, we it, it has rarely been sustained um, close contest between Australia and anybody else. Um, and I agree, we want to strengthen it. Of course we do. But I don't think any of it will ever be bigger than Origin. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, I just don't think it ever will be, be bigger. But that doesn't mean you can't strive to improve it. And I, I get that that point, you know, that or that goal, sorry. Um, you know, but it's a lot to expect the guys to to just slot, to peel out all at once. And it's great sort of that it will happen once for Tonga. But yeah, to really, to justify it though, I think it's it needs it needs to be more than the pl- a player. Like Josh, what... If Josh Papali is like, cool, I'm just going to represent Samoa. How many times do they play at the moment? Yeah, today. Never. today. Yeah. So today, yeah. these... It's got to, but it's got to be bigger than Josh, this, though. This, that's, that's exactly the point that I'm saying, is this sacrifice that he's making and that Jason Tomalolo made is bigger. Or Fafita. Maybe Fafita made a bigger sacrifice than Tomalolo. But that, that's, that's where I think we may disagree, is today, the competition isn't as strong as it would be in state of origin. But, but in, I think there's more, if I think what I... changes, then in 10 years, 15 years, there's, there's, there's more Jerome Luas. There's more uh, and, uh, Christian mm. Crichton's or Stephen Crichton's. There's more Viliami Kikau's. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Look, hey, I, 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 gr- I hear you and I agree with all Luffy, those things. But I'm talking, but I think that you're putting more of the expectation on the player to make a switch to a team that barely plays. What I'm saying is, while we want to have that expectation on the player, let's give them something. Like, let's put more expectation on the ARL to create these games and this competition and give these players, like, okay, well, it was great that you had that, that the timing of the World Cup was obviously How helpful. How are you going to get 
how are you going to give a promoter more incentive to you got to start somewhere bro you got to yeah. start somewhere so like you... sacrifice. so how did tonga end up getting the gig at the end of the year and fiji didn't get the gig because the players because, of their, because exactly. they played at the world cup yeah they made the sacrifice but they but there was a world cup on that's why there was a world cup so there's all these games and it was a chance to play and they were like bang let's do it and then they've rolled off the back of that which is great but what I, they need to create a regular tournament if you create the tournament like i'll tell you what if you put a tournament and say next year this is what i would do is every year when you've got origin you've got new zealand samoa tonga and fiji you've got those four teams they can play three games. They can just play everybody once. And whoever finishes first at, the, at that, they get the Pacific Cup. And they'll play three games. They'll play three games. They'll play each other. So there'll be two games a weekend while the Origin's on. And you put that on every year. Players will now start playing for Samoa and for Fiji. And they'll, it will start happening more. But if you don't put it there, they won't do it. Yeah. So I think... I think we're on the same page, I think, but there needs to be more weight on the, on the organisers, on the executives, on the people, on, the, on fucking Volandish. Mate, you love rugby league. This is the next goal. You got rugby league back this year. Now you need to get the international stuff rolling. And fucking call two in the tackle. We've got some ideas. We'll sort you out. Put us in charge. We'll sort them out. We'll sort them out. Anyway, we're going to the last game of the preliminary finals. Melbourne Storm up against the Canberra Raiders. Now, the Canberra Raiders, they've got the wood over the Melbourne Storm. They, they lost their last game against the Melbourne Storm, mind you. Controversially, I think it was a try in it. There was a controversial try. Then there was a controversial sim bin. And there was an injury to their captain and dummy half in Josh Hodgson. Actually, sorry, he's not the captain. Croak is the captain. Um, and they only just beat them. But I'm proud of that. Melbourne, sorry, the Raiders have been in Melbourne their last three matches. So going into the semi-final, you know, as those wanking commentators say, they don't fear Melbourne. They don't fear Melbourne. But they don't. And that's the thing. It's not that I don't fear Melbourne. They go up there thinking Melbourne's their fucking bunny. What do you reckon? Was it three in a row they'd won? Yeah, so they won the preliminary? Yeah. So not the preliminary, though, week one. Finals week one. And, the, and so They won the first game this year. Week one, and then the game before week one. Yeah, so it was three, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, you know, they've had a little recent wood on them. Um, I think the Melbourne Storm have the well, great long pole before that. Um, you know, they're a pretty champion team, so they're, they're going to be well-oiled up, ready to play a Raiders side. But look, despite all this outlandish hyperbole that gets thrown out there with uh, the I don't fear and how to spell a narr- create a narrative and fire it up, i got to agree with them in the sense that this this Raiders team can absolutely beat the Storm. And the Storm can absolutely beat them. Look, they're, they're playing at their home in Suncorp and they're fucking a great team. Um, but this Raiders team is fucking... As I, I can't keep harping back to something that Robbo kept saying. And he kept talking about the Raiders and how, look, there's their footy players. They've got a team full of footy players. And we've that's what they do that. have. We've been saying that all year. They're all of them playing grandma's backyard. Yeah, yeah. And look, the, just the, re- the return of John Bateman in this back half of the year has been unbelievable for them. Um, it's really allowed them to morph their team and their, I guess their character and their their personality of what their style team they are. While Hodgson has been removed, when Hodgson goes out, then they go, okay, styling comes in, we've got a different style hooker. A lot of weight comes on to Whiten and George Williams in the halves to sort of be the big focal points of their attack. And they've been stunning. But having John Bateman there on the edge just throws another thing out there for you. And here's it. Here's it. You've got another little ace in the, up your sleeve. 
here to be creating stuff. And then Tarpany and Papali'i over the last two, three months have just been sensational. Yeah, they've well, held that fort, and they've held that fort as they're getting these guys back. So if you say uh, Jack John Bateman's an ace up your sleeve, I'm going to say uh, Elliot Whitehead's the king up the other side. Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing good. He he managed to get what about that? Just that one on one that he got in the, in the response to our one on one. So wasn't it Sonny Bill got a one on one? Then we managed to get a penalty out of it, and then kicked yeah. downfield and the first tackle off that. Whitehead says, and I know exactly what would have happened. We've all done it. We've all been there where he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in there. And, and you know, that wasn't Butch's fault. That, that, like, before then, I'd said that we were gone. Way before then, I knew we were gone. Yeah. That was a big telling point into where we were. Butcher runs by himself. He ends up getting gang tackled. And the moment yeah. Welly and Whitehead knew that he was getting three into this tackle, he knew. So before then, he goes, I'm going to go for it. The moment that he knew they got three in the tackle, he says, I've got it. Because yeah. he's not ready for it. And how he knew he wasn't ready for it was he didn't demand someone run with him. He just went yeah. up there and just went through the motion, expecting someone to be there. And there should have been someone there. But there was no one there. And that gang tackled him and Whitehead was able to get the grip. And he stole the ball straight off him. And it was, it was one of the plays that sort of typified where the Raiders were in that game, where nothing was going to get in their way that night. Nothing was going to stop yeah. them. The way that Tarpany managed to score that try, Boy Corner got cleaned up by Papali'i and Tarpany for both those tries. And it was, it was that. That's exactly what they did. They went straight for our, our leader as well. They they just, go, we're, going they to just, we're going to take you on. We don't, no one's going to stop us tonight. They, they had an undeniable win to, will to win, and it was just greater than the other team. And, and it and looks that's, like that's the, Yeah, that is the kind of energy that they're sort of bringing, which I, I think they can really, um, they can cause some, the Storm some problems, especially if they're, the Storm can't sort of, in a similar vein to the Roosters, not quite the same, because obviously haven't won the past couple of years, but they've been, this is the Storm's sixth consecutive preliminary final. Yeah. Six in a row. Um that's fucking impressive. Yeah, that's, um, and there was, and there was three grand finals in a row um, off the back of that. Um, but they have lost their last two, no, their last prelim. Sorry, they've just lost their last prelim. Awesome. So, but I think a lot is going to come down to Cam Munster as well. How healthy is he? What what kind of impact is he going to be able to have? He's had, you know, nagging injuries on that knee this year. He was out for a bit of time, and he gets hurt in that last game. And you're coming back two weeks. You can you can be as 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 great as you want to be, but you, you he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. But he can still be very effective without being a hundred percent on that knee. So, fuck, I don't know. It's a tough. It's going to be a great game. It really is going to be an amazing game. Um, I'm I'm you know as we said at the top, it's it's relieving to go into this game was just I don't have a a dog in the race, so I can just kind of watch a game of footy. Well, this is quite um, an unusual. Circumstance. It's a situation where, although we've lost, one of our teams has gone out. We've actually managed to gain three teams. Yeah. So although we've lost one team, we collected the Penrith Panthers, the Melbourne Storm, and the Canberra Raiders. Come on, you lot! Come on, you lot! Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I know I'll be going for the Mountain Men on Saturday night. That's for sure. I, th- I think. Look. I think. Look. I, I as a as just a fan of rugby league, when we don't have our juggernaut, um, you know, side in the in in the race, still chasing for that premiership glory, um, you do tend to kind of want to go for that 
that nice story or that underdog in, the, in a way. So, it, look, the Raiders have won in a long time. So, it'd be, I would love to if the Raiders were able to go through, you know, and it'd be massive for them to go from, from fifth as well. Yep. after being beaten in the grand final the way they were last year, to come through and have to beat the Roosters in Sydney and then go and beat the Storm in Queensland and then go back to Sydney and win the grand final against quite possibly a team that's won 16 in a row. 17 in a row. 17. Um, or, 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 God forbid, a South Sydney Rapidos team who's probably scored about 200 points in four weeks yeah. so it'd be an almighty sort of uh, of of run for for the raiders if they were it's to gonna do be it. a, spe- a spectacular finish to the rugby league season anyway there's still two more two more games this week almost so three more games for the rugby league season um and then that's all over but speaking of all over well but be- before you move on who are you taking um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm, so I agree with you. I want Raiders into the grand final against the Panthers, but I think Melbourne are gonna win. And I think I really don't know about the other game. I think I think Penrith probably too good for South Sydney, but I've thought that for the last three weeks against South Sydney, and they're just too good. Look, if South Sydney manage to hold on to the ball um, and not give away a lot of errors and turn it over, they will really put a lot of pressure on Penrith. Um, and especially without kick-out. Look, the Panthers have shown that two things this year. They're more than just kick-out. Cleary is a beast, and he can out-kick their team out of anything. Kick-out. Uh, and, and they have way more weapons than just kick-out. But uh, this this South Sydney team... And then, obviously, their defence has been phenomenal as well. They've been super resilient in defence. So they're going to need to be against um, this yeah this Ferrari in the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, but, yes... I, I, I would have to say Panthers and I, I don't know. I feel like the, the Raiders can get them. Yeah, well, maybe they can. I'm, I'm, start, maybe they can. I, I'm, I'm starting to just feel like, you know, look, Panthers, Raiders, Panthers, Raiders grand final would be great. You know, a little Repeat, bit of 1991 replay. 1991 replay. Yeah, exactly right. The, the, hey, the, the rubber, the rubber match. Yeah, there you go. It is. Well, anyway, enough about the rugby league. We, we still got big matches coming up. But uh, two things uh, finished over the weekend. We had the end of the NBA today. LeBron James mm-hmm. got his fourth championship ring. Uh, how, how did the game go down? Or how did the final series go down in general? It was, it was a very entertaining final series in the end. It was it actually, you look back now and really feel we were potentially robbed of an even greater one with the injuries that happened to... The Miami Heat, obviously, Goran Dragic going down in the first game and Bam Adebayo, Bam missing two games. And look, Dragic came back today in this, six, this game six, but, you know, he was a passenger out there. Um, he torn ligaments in your feet. Like, you're not going to be able to be bouncing around, shooting threes and doing pick and rolls against uh, professional athletes. So, um, but it was, it was a great series, you know. Unfortunately, this game was a bit of a dud. Um, the Lakers just came... With a, on a mission, they weren't letting anyone stop it. They were just up another level to what they were in Game 5. And I think Miami just emptied the tank in Game 5. Like, they played seven guys. Jimmy Butler played 47 minutes. He played all but 47 seconds of the game. Um, so, they just they, they threw their haymaker to stay in it. And then the Lakers came back. And they were up by 36 points um, at the start uh, early in the second half. So... LeBron and AD were just beating on him. Rondo, playoff Rondo come in with 19 points, six assists, a couple of steals, eight from eight from 11 from the field, like just doing his thing. He's got his you know, second Had a couple ring. of quieter games. Got his second ring for the Lakers. He's got yeah. one for the Celtics, one for the Lakers. 
Um, LeBron, obviously, another Finals MVP, but Jimmy Butler can hold his head hold, hold his head high. Two massive triple doubles in this series in Game Three and Game Five, where my he he willed Miami to win games that didn't belong winning, and a forty point triple double and then a thirty five point triple double, and he went toe to toe with LeBron, and LeBron was magnificent this series. You know, he just I think he dispelled any doubt to who the best player in the game is still still right now. It ain't Giannis, it ain't Kawhi, uh, it's not KD, it's LeBron. He's still on the throne. And he's never, he's never been displaced. This guy is the greatest. The way he's um, brought another team to a title, a third franchise, come and lift it up and be the best player in that. Now that he was 10 years ago, I think he's better. He's not as explosive athletically. Um, he can't be that same, you know, that dominance in that sort of speed power. He's only a little bit off that. And he's more than enough to dominate a lot of, a lot of the league. So... Yeah, really defining. I think, you know, I think when it's all said and done, Isaiah Thomas came out and said during the week, uh, and he sort of had this opinion in somewhat of a, in some line of thinking. He said, look, I think when it's all said and done, where by the time uh, LeBron James retires, it, it'll he'll be the greatest. He will be the greatest of all time. And it won't be, it won't be as much of a question as you guys all think. Now, well, that's a big statement. I think it's really look one. It's really hard to compare errors anyway, um, uh, and I think Michael Jordan probably had the greatest peak. You know, six titles in eight years, um, never lost a finals match because they just won six in that that bank. Certain circumstances all worked out that way for him as well, and that's not to knock him for it. It's just you go six and zero, and you have a great team put together and an awesome. Um, sidekick and Scotty and a great coach and Phil Jackson and they he maximized all the potential out of that. But just the sheer length and there's just sort of different morphing elements of, of LeBron's game and the way he impacts it in just every facet, he, he may end up having the greatest career. You know, he's definitely not said and done and look, he's got four now. I think if you, if you were to, I think What's if you were to say what, what would be par and what what was so if we go golf, what's par, what's a bogey, what's what's a, a birdie for for titles? I think par would be one more for him before he's done. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say one. Like if he if he doesn't get another one, it would be like okay, it was probably you know maybe they they were underperformed over that next period. But I would think he could still get at least one more. When you got a guy like AD who's twenty seven playing next next year. And LeBron is just still showing, like, I was second in MVP this year. And I think you all fucking know that you got the vote wrong. <laughs> so, so, yeah, sensational. Sensational performance by LeBron and the Lakers. 16-5 in the playoffs. Um, and, and a tie in the Total Wins League playoff section. And the oh, playoff yeah. edition, uh, we finished up 39-39, me and Harrison. Oh, uh, once the Heat won game five, I couldn't lose. Um, so yeah, they, you know, well, that was a fun little run. So shouts off to the total wins league whenever the new season starts again in fucking February or something. So who bloody knows? Who knows? Anyway, that, that, that was but, that. So LeBron James, well done, LeBron James, with another title. And, but there uh, was one more guy. There was one more. One more. We save the best till last, as we always do. Rafael Nadal winning his 38th French Open title. Equaling the great man Roger Federer on 20 total of mm. 20 Grand Slam victories. How'd it go yeah. down? 
And that's his, uh, well, look, like the rest of this tournament, in straight sets with a bagel. Um, he, he was utter domination for Nadal in this tournament. Um, that's the fourth time. The fourth time he's won the French Open without dropping a set. And, that's uh, just outstanding. Just going to try to put that in perspective for us. Uh, well, the, uh, the most anyone else has done it is twice. Uh, I think French or any other slam. Any other slam. I think Bjorn Borg uh, has done it once at Wimbledon and once at, um, at the French. And Federer, Federer might have done it once or twice as well at, at Wimbledon. Um, but Nadal's now done it four times. That's 20 slams. Um, his record at the French Open is now 100 wins and two losses. Wow. Um, he draws wow. closer to his record, head-to-head record with Djokovic. It's, uh, so Nadal's 27 wins, Joker is 29. So they're pretty close, but Nadal has... This is where I think, you know, I was listening to your little quick take on, um, on Insta, Wick, um, yeah, 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 talking yeah, yeah. Of, uh, yeah. about maybe, maybe Djokovic may, may end up being the greatest of, of the lot. And it's, look, it's very tight between those three. And they've all, I think, uh, they've all got their own sort of stories and elements that, that highlight their greatness. But I think one thing for Nadal is he's shown where his dominance over those two guys is in the grand slams. Yeah, so yeah. Joker has a head-to-head lead, a lead 29-27. Um, but basically, Nadal's had it over him on clay and Joker's had it over him on hard courts. But when it comes to grand slams, Nadal is 10 and 6. Yep. And he's five and five and four in the finals. Um, little edge there. Yeah, little edge, five and four in finals. Now he's won three Frenches against him and one US. Oh, no, yeah. and, and two US, sorry. Three Frenches and two US. So he's beaten him so, at the US Open. He's beaten him in the US Open twice. Well, there you go. He beat him in 2010 and he beat him in 2013. Um, I believe. And uh, Joker's got him once at the US. So Nadal's got four US Opens. He's fucking good at the US. Um, but the Joker has the domination at the Aussie Open. So 10 and 6, 6 and 4. Now against Federer, Joker is, uh, Nadal, sorry, is, uh, is, is 10 and 4 against, or 10 and 5 against him in the Grand Slam matches. Um, but 6 and 3 when it comes to, to Grand Slam finals. So his two greatest rivals, Nadal holds an 11 and seven record over him in the Grand Slams. So he's overall, he's 20 and eight in Grand Slams. He's lost four Grand Slams to Djokovic, who has 17 Grand Slams. One of the greatest of all finals. time. He's 20 and eight in Slam finals. 28 in Slam finals. He's lost four of them to Djokovic with um, he's lost Wimbledon. He's lost uh, an Aussie, a couple, two Aussies, and he's lost uh, um, a US to him. This is one of the greatest hardcore. Uh, Djokovic could go down as the greatest hardcore player of all time. Um, and he's lost three to Federer, one Aussie, and two Wimbledons. One of the greatest grass quarters of all time, probably the greatest grass quarter. He's lost two Wimbledons to him. That's seven. Just that one Aussie Open that he lost to Stanislav Vavrinka. Oh, we really? love Stan. But remember, the back throws up, and jo- and Nadal was unbelievable that tournament. I don't a, think I think 2014. Did he win a set in the in the in the final? He the did. He back? did. Yeah, he won. He won the he won the third set off him. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
So, but that was just bad timing for Nadal. Unfortunately, he had a few injuries throughout his career. So, of his eight losses, two of the greatest tennis players of all time, a part of a part of seven of those eight losses. Twenty and eight is already phenomenal. That's um, that's near near on seventy five percent. You know, that's 73 percent in Grand Slam finals. He's a hundred. His record is one hundred and to two in the French Open. He's ninety eight percent at the French Open. He's 94 percent career on clay. So he's 94% on clay and he has seven other grand slams, not on clay to go with the most masters titles and all these other things. And I remember you said, I think Djokovic will pass both of them. Djokovic is only one year younger than Nadal. He's yeah. only one year younger than him. So I just, um, uh, for some reason, I just feel like, and I've held this for a while that Nadal was about this is due to finish shortly. Yeah, we've felt this for about three or four years, though, haven't we? Yeah. I think we always thought when he's in his 20s, like he once he gets to 30, he's done. The knees are cooked. Yeah, you know, yeah. he plays with too much force and brute and, you know, he's just punished his body. But Nadal's just shown this incredible professionalism and also just a, a motivation and a hunger to just keep playing tennis. He's just like, I want to keep playing. I want to keep winning. Like, you know, and he says in his typical humble way, I just like to play, you know. <laughs> uh, I just like to play as best I can and I keep playing as long as I can play as best to, to the best of my ability. Uh, then I keep playing, I keep playing. <laughs> and Nadal could be saying this, we could be seeing a bald Nadal out there at the 2025 French Open and he's holding up his 18th fucking title. Yeah. Um, because I, I really don't see anyone, like no one's going to beat him at the French. Yeah. I don't think anyone will beat him, like unless he, unless he gets injured or retires. Yeah. Those are the only two things. Now, Djokovic has shown that the Aussie Open is his to dominate. He's got eight of them. So he's going to be pretty hard to stop there. But I think Nadal's still got a shot to win another US. He's, he, the, the hard courts at the US are a bit different to the Aussie ones, the way they play. And I, I think maybe the time of year is, is just coming off the back and it's his last sort of bit of peak. And then he's kind of done for the season. Yeah. You know, and he's he now... He's one knock as he's never won the World Tour Finals. But look, it's just, you put the gloss on it. It's still, it's still a best of three tournament. And it's fucking in November, the end of November, when people are in their 80th, 90th matches. So good on you. Like, okay, it's an eight-person tournament. It's best of three. Best of five is where it's at. And the Dahl's the greatest best of five tennis player. Yeah, yeah. There's no best doubt in five. that. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. And look, if the, thing, the one final pillar for him, if he can get one more as the Open, yeah, that's it. Get one more. That's, that's two at every one. That's two at every one. And I'm sure we'll get another French and he'll be pretty hard to run down. So look, Feds, the cut still says he's going to play in the Australian Open next year. He turned 39 two months ago. He's unbelievable. I have so much respect for Roger Federer. I love him. And he'll always be the goat to many. Um, and just the way he plays tennis is so unique. I think so we're really going to look back. Yeah, it is really so beautiful. And I think we're going to... It's so contrasting, all three of them, in the way they play. So I think it'd be pretty awesome. Imagine if they all finished on, like, 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they all three of them finished on 21, and it's possible. You know, I, I think Feds, Feds could get one more. Like, now he'd need a lot of luck. He'd need someone to beat one of... At least one of Nadal or Djokovic. One of them would have to get knocked out, I think. Um, and, you know, he can get another slam. But... I think one more Wimbledon. He's just, that's what he's holding out for. I think Feds is like, look, I don't fucking play in the French anymore. <laughs> uh, he, so he come back, he come back and played it. Uh, he said he was going to come back and play it this year. Did he play it last year? Oh, he, no, he, no, he, he didn't play it last year. 
Yeah, yeah, he hasn't played it the last two years. This year he said he was going to play it, then fucking COVID, and it's like, fuck that, not playing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting, I'm injured. I don't think he's like, cool. I'm done with the clay court. Not doing the clay French Open. <laughs> Wimbledon. If I can just get, just give me one more Wimbledon, I'll play the Aussie, and then maybe I can jack the US Open. Who fucking knows? Maybe Nadal gets injured. Like, But if I get one more, and I'll be happy for him to get one I'll more. Anyway, I think I think I think we're gonna have to call it a night there, not mate. Yeah, look, it's been great. The dial forever and ever and ever. We could. It's like him winning Certainly. French Opens, but it's been a pleasure as it is. Disappointing for the Roosters, us Roosters fans. Sorry, actually, just before we go, we gotta say we gotta give him a mention. Front rowers. We had two front rowers score over the weekend. Uh, oh no, or was it three? No, it was two. We had Josh Papali scoring the opening try against the Roosters. And we had Liam Knight yeah. for the South City Rabbitohs. So, shout out to the front rowers. You know, sorry to Once miss again. it. Once again. You still got your love. You still got your love. Anyway, peace out. Much love. Give it up. Oh, there's your New Jersey as well. There's yeah, repping rep those there's numbers. For, you know, for, all the, for all the ten, number 10s out there, I used to wear the number 10. Well, we're repping out there for the, those boys this week. So, best of luck. And uh, let's go, uh, let's go Panthers, eh? How many Panthers? Here's I'm a Panthers, Panthers fan. Anyway, peace. Go, you good thing.